listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings everyone, Pastor Nathan here. We love you, we miss you. It won't be too long, as I often say, before we are back together again. We are having services on Sunday. You are welcome. Watch our webpage and our social media for details. Uh, many of you are, are not ready yet to venture out into a crowd. Uh, that's okay. Um, we're not here to you know, make you feel bad about it. We just want you to know that when you're ready to come back, uh, we miss you and don't get in the habit of staying home. It's not biblical. So I wanna get right into our Bible study to, uh, tonight. It is the week of Pentecost. Uh, This coming Sunday will be Pentecost Sunday. Um, We usually will celebrate that in some way, uh, some years more than others, but it is that, that day in which the Holy Spirit was given in the book of Acts. If you've spent much time around an apostolic church, you've heard a lot of references to the Holy Spirit, You've heard it preached about, sung about, taught about, testified about. Um, You may have heard the term the Holy Ghost more than the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing. Uh, Ghost is a little bit of a more old world uh, translation. Uh, Nowadays, most people say Holy Spirit. Um, Doesn't really matter whatever you like. We're referring to God with us. We're referring to God in our hearts. The Holy Spirit's given to us for specific reasons. And since this is Bible study on the week of Pentecost Sunday, I want to take a little while to speak about the Holy Spirit and talk about it in the lives of of the believer. So you will immediately think of Acts chapter number two, which is the the recording of that day in which the Holy Ghost uh, was poured out. Uh, But to understand it, you have to go back a little bit further than that. Now, uh, truthfully, if you really want to get into the theology of it, you have to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You have to understand how sin uh, divided the relationship between uh, God and humankind. Uh, Rebellion ruined that relationship and caused separation between God and uh, humankind. Um, The work of God in the earth from that time uh, until Calvary was really God's plan and God's unfolding work to restore uh, a relationship of of fellowship, uh, a relationship of unity, the ability for us to host in our hearts the presence of God. And so in the Old Testament, God, you see, is separated, isolated in a holy of holies, and only the high priest can go in there, and he can only go in for the forgiveness of the people to apply the blood of covering to the mercy seat. Uh, That changed in Jesus Christ. Uh, The gospel is Christ is your righteousness. The gospel is you were lost in trespasses and sins, but Jesus Christ has paid the debt we owed, thereby giving us access to the presence of God. And so that is the gospel. That is the story of Christ's victory. But he said, speaking to his disciples, it's good for you if I go away. 
He's referring to the fact that he is in a fleshly body and thus he can only be with them uh, in a, a natural, a fleshly, a, a human way. Uh, but in spirit form, uh, he is able to take up residence in the heart of every believer. Now, you've heard all of this, you know all of this, so let me, let me as is my uh, teaching goal, um, and something I always strive for is to try to find um, things and see them with new eyes and try to, uh, as it were, uh, cover, uncover the depths of it. Um, I, that's always a personal, personal goal of mine in Bible study. Um, I make the assumption always that there's more there than I'm seeing. So that's, that's always step number one for my Bible study is um, I read it and I'm like, okay, good stuff. I enjoyed it. Now let's assume I didn't know, I didn't understand anything. Uh, or let's assume that I only scratched the surface of it. Well, if you do that, and you can do the same thing, um, it leads you, it really leads you into a discipline of uncovering uh, the riches of the word of the Lord. And oh, the, the word of the Lord is rich. Um, even, even if you just read it, um, not almost as though it were just given to you as literature, it is profound. It's if you read it as, as though it were given to you as history, it's profound. As poetry, it's profound. But you'll never understand the deepest depths until you see it as the manifest word of God given to us. So going back to the disciples who are going to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, they are... The first time they hear about it is not on the day of Pentecost. Jesus talks about sending his spirit uh, to them. And if you think in terms of the Great Commission, and I know there's various debates around the Great Commission, but we don't have time for that in, in the context of this uh, Bible study tonight. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, the Lord commissions his disciples uh, to go and make disciples of all nations, um, baptizing them, teaching them, literally making disciples. And uh, then he it tells them after his resurrection to, to tarry in Jerusalem until they are endued with power from on high. Now, imagine that you are a fairly ordinary uh, Jewish man and you have started following Jesus who is something completely other than anybody you've ever met. And one day he basically tells you, look, we're going to impact this world and I'm gonna use you to do it. Uh, we, we're so comfortable with these ideas, we just rush past them, but put yourself in their shoes. What, what do you mean uh, we're going to go to the whole world? Uh, so if you, if you spend some time with this, you, you begin to see and you begin to understand that the power of the Holy Spirit is given to these men as that which will give them the power to do that which they have been asked to do. And so this, this is surely intimidating to them. What me go to the whole world? What would I say? Um, most of us have a problem saying something to our neighbors. <laughs> now imagine someone says, oh, by the way, you are going to the whole world. And you're like, uh, okay. So when Jesus tells them uh, to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power, 
Uh, this really is the how you're going to do it. How are you going to be transformed? How are you going to be changed from this fearful individual you are to someone who could do such a thing? The giving of the Holy Spirit is directly related to the power needed by the believer to make a difference in his or her world. And so we see it on the day of Pentecost when it's fully come. Now, let's not rush past the Pentecost part. A Pentecost is a feast of harvest. This isn't an accident. The giving of the Holy Spirit on this day um, is not an accident. Remember what Jesus told them to do when they would tarry and be filled with power? He said, you will be witnesses unto me. You, so you have a commission. You've got a lot to do. Um, go tarry in Jerusalem. I'm going to give you power. And when you receive this power, you're going to be witnesses to the whole world. I want you to see. Now, uh, sometimes us apostolics, we, we don't really do enough, um, take enough care on this harvest element of the giving of the Holy Spirit. But let's, let's, let's see this here. The Feast of Harvest, the Feast of, of Pentecost is, the day of Pentecost is a Feast of Harvest. Uh, particularly, you can read about it yourself in the book of Exodus, in Exodus 23. It's specifically uh, a day where they celebrate the harvest of wheat, and it is a harvest celebration. This is the day where God symbolically pours out His Spirit upon them to endue them with power so that they might be witnesses unto Him. We cannot miss this relationship between the giving of the Holy Spirit and the harvest that we are sent into. Now, the Holy, the Holy Spirit's more than harvest. I don't mean to make it, I don't mean to oversimplify, um, but you will not understand the symbolic nature of it if you miss the giving of it for the harvest, for the harvest. You're gonna change the world, Jesus says. You're gonna make disciples. You're gonna baptize people all over. How are you gonna do it? Well, you need to go tarry in Jerusalem until you are given this power, and then you will be witnesses unto me throughout the whole world. Okay, so let's real quick remind ourselves of the things that the Holy Spirit does uh, for us biblically. First of all, uh, we know that the Holy Spirit is a spiritual helper to us, literally. That's a very broad description, uh, but John chapter number 14, um, verse number 26, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Preached about that a little bit this past Sunday. But more, uh, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of unrighteousness, of sin, and of judgment to come. You can read about that, John chapter number 16. The Holy Spirit inhabits us in the same manner that his spirit manifests itself upon the ark of meeting in the Old Testament uh, tabernacle and temple plan. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit guides us into understanding and wisdom. Uh, God knows our thoughts and he will guide us. You can read about this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Um, it is, of course, as I've already mentioned, the source of spiritual power in our, our lives. 
And Paul specifically prays in Ephesians 1, verse number 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's a capital S spirit in the translation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. So the Holy Spirit also guides us to truth. Uh, It's called in John chapter number 16, the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit also becomes a, a channel, a conduit of supernatural gifts manifest in the church, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, It also becomes a seal of divine adoption. You are not your own, you've been bought with a price. That is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in you. Uh, It helps you through weaknesses and uh, intercedes. The the Holy Spirit intercedes for you, Romans 8 and uh, verses 26 and 27. It is the source of eternal life. Um, If that same spirit which raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, it's the source of eternal life and our uh, uh, eternal life for us who are mortal. And finally, uh, it sanctifies the believer and enables you to begin to change your behavior here on earth in a natural growing manner like fruit. Over time, it manifests its presence in your life by bringing about real change in your life that you don't have to be spiritual to see. Uh, The fruit of the spirit you read the list yourself. Uh, the, you don't have to be spiritual or have great spiritual wisdom to see these things. They are things that are actually demonstrated in good human uh, behavior, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. You get the idea. So all of those things are there and they are all spiritually uh, relevant and they are all the foundations upon which the church is built. They literally are the foundations upon which we as believers make a difference in our world. But the giving of the Holy Spirit is directly related to the idea of harvest. It is directly related to the necessary strength that an individual would have to try to change their world. So remember, you're going to change the world. That's the Great Commission. How are you going to do it? Well, go to Jerusalem and tarry. Wait until you be endued with power. After that, you will be witnesses unto me uh, throughout the whole world. So this is a very important issue of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I personally want to see the harvest of God um, in our city and in our church. I I think about it every day. Almost every day I pray for that among us. In fact, um, I'm actually speaking to you from my home office right now. And if you look right behind me, right up there, it's a great big sign that I put in my office right at eye level that simply says harvest. We are given this gift of God because we are sent into the world to make a difference. You are going to change the world. You're going to make a difference. How are you going to do it? You're going to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So what else would I want you to know about the Holy Spirit? Well, I would want you to know that it's a promise. Um, The language of the scripture specifically words it that way, specifically uh, explains it that way. It is the gift of God 
Um, it's, it's something that we should use that same language to describe. Why? Well, because it's biblical and it's pretty good to be biblical if you want to be a Christian. Um, the next thing I would want you to know is that um, you can receive it. You can ex- receive the, it into your life. Um, and I, I, would want to, I would want you to understand how tongue serves as a sign to the believer. On the day of Pentecost, they are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They speak with another language. How are they going to change the world? By telling their testimony, by preaching the gospel. The image of the tongue is absolutely fundamental to how we share truth, to how we communicate spiritual understanding, whether it's preaching the gospel, whether it's teaching, whether it's praising, whether it's worshiping, whether it's prayer, whether it's testimony, whether it's edifying. It all involves divine communication. It all involves spiritual communication. So under the unction of the Spirit, the Lord would take control of your tongue and speak a divine communication. Do you see why this would be an important symbol? And do you see why the disciples would need to experience this to know they don't have to be afraid of what they're going to say? God will give them the words to say. This is so important. It's happening on the day of harvest, and God's going to use your testimony, your prayer, your praise, your tongue to tell His truth. This is why Acts chapter number 2 is such a powerful, important uh, chapter in the story of the New Testament church because something happens to these people. They have now the personal experience of a divine sign. Remember uh, in the Gospel of, of Matthew earlier, the Lord had breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now, we can't, for some people um, who are fairly, shall we say, theologically simplistic, they, want, they wish that scripture wasn't in the Bible because it messes with them. Um, and the Bible will do that. And so if you're not careful, rather than approaching it humbly and saying, okay, Lord, maybe there's something here I need to understand at a deeper level, what we do is we, we fall into this game, well, this scripture matters more than this scripture. Uh, so let's kind of ignore that one. We've talked about that before. We don't want to do that. Um, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. But they exhibited no change of confidence, no change change of enthusiasm. They all were afraid. They all forsook him and fled. You understand what I'm saying? They haven't yet had the change of, of, of faith, change of confidence. It's like they believe, but they have not experienced. But on the day of Pentecost, that changes. What's the difference between those two passages? The difference is, On the day of Pentecost, they are given a personal sign of God's power upon them and within them. It's not just a spiritual idea anymore. It's a personal testimony. This is the power of tongues in in your life. So if you start trying to fall into this problem of, well, I, I don't have the Holy Spirit because I haven't spoke with tongues or I don't know if I've spoke with tongues. I want, to, I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit is simply the presence of God and He's been dealing with you from the beginning. No man can even come to God except the Spirit draw him or her. The Holy Spirit has been dealing with you and working with you and being breathed upon you. You have been, as you've repented, you've been surrounded by his presence. Do you see? He's near you. He loves you. His arms are around you. And he has breathed upon you the Holy Spirit. 
Now, what you need to have in your life is not just spiritual belief. You need to have a personal experience. And that's the power of Acts chapter number two. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they all begin to speak in another tongue. Uh, we as believers need power if we're gonna make a difference in this world. We need confidence, we need assurance. If we don't have those things, we won't even try to do much. We'll be like someone who hid um, their light under a bushel. Um, we just didn't expect anyone to see our light. Someone who has confidence, who has transformation in their life, it's, the different, it's a complete different circumstance. They think they can do anything. And the reason why is they're not depending on their power. All they need is an accurate assessment of God, an accurate assessment of God's promise, and they suddenly think they can speak to the mountain and see it cast into the sea. I want you to know uh, you can receive the experience of tongues in your life. Now, tongues is not the Holy Spirit. Tongues is a sign of the Holy Spirit. Anybody who doesn't get that is not being true to scripture. It's not the only sign, but it is probably the most celebrated sign um, shown to us in, uh, in the book of Acts. <coughs> I wanna see you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life with the evidence of speaking in tongues that you may experience, <clears throat> excuse me, I got excited, now my throat's itching, that you can experience this gift for yourself. So where to start? If you haven't repented, everything begins at repentance. So just right where you are, just bow your head, repent of your sins. Don't make it complicated. Make it authentic. Don't try to say it how I would say it. Don't try to use my words or my language. Strive for authenticity, for sincerity. How would you say it? How would you express your, your, for, uh, your, your sorriness to God for the, the sin in your life? Do you see? After you've repented, um, you can begin to praise God and create in your life a sensitivity to his presence. That's what praise does. Praise is an action that for, for, from us that serves as an invitation to God. So if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, we would love to baptize you uh, according to the scripture, it's a, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful Bible study in itself. Um, we won't get into that right now. Uh, and then whether you've just repented and you haven't been baptized yet or whether you have been baptized, you can start sending uh, your praise heavenward as an action you make to send an invitation to God's presence. He will respond. Why? The Bible tells us, you could quote this, he inhabits the praises of his people. I want you to receive this, not so I can count you and make some boast for the church, that, that misses the point. Not so we can reassure ourselves that we're really making, it's not about us. It's about your world and God's willingness to involve you in reaching it, in changing it. And if you're gonna do that, you need the power of the spirit in your life. So. It's, it's the week of the harvest, it's, it's Pentecost Sunday, and we are gonna celebrate it. I wanna teach about it. I want you to experience it in your life. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I'm praying that we would all be filled with your presence. I'm praying that each of us would experience the transformation 
that can come to the believer when they know beyond, beyond their own fears and anxieties, they have personal witness of your unction upon them. Let us be filled with it, Lord, and let us use it not simply as a type of um, reassurance plan, not simply as a type of uh, uh, being in some way more saved than someone or more righteous than someone. No, let us use it to reach the harvest. Let us receive it that we might be witnesses unto you all around the world. Anoint your people, anoint your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We love you. Uh, there's a good chance we'll just have one service on this coming Sunday um, because um, there we haven't had enough people return yet where we would need to worry. Um, we can spread out through the sanctuary and be fine with one service. And it's a lot less work on our team uh, if it's not needed to do the two services. Uh, our state still is in phase two of social distancing. Um, the, unfortunately, the past week has had a spike of infections in North Carolina. Um, and so uh, we want to we want to take care uh, and we want to be good witnesses. Yes. And not only that, we want to um, we don't want to get in a situation where because we're irresponsible, they get back into a situation where they're trying to force a lockdown upon us in spite of the court cases. That's what we want to do. We love you. We'll be in touch on our website, social media with information on Sunday. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.